0: Konnichiwa. Welcome to the Jandals in Japan podcast.
1: Kia ora, Catherine.
0: Konnichiwa, Jane.
1: We are into February and it's all go with connections between Japan and New Zealand. What is happening? Sure is. Oh, goodness me. We've had the Chiefs and the Blues have
0: just been here playing amazing games with japan local teams as well this global thing global but local coming together amazing so we've got the two teams and those regions from new zealand in the sports arena and in japan today creating waves
1: yeah and today we're going to be talking about technology between Mm. japan and new zealand and i've always had a bit of a sort of a block around this thinking oh but japan is in japanese so Oh, technology yeah, right. could it wouldn't translate right like um all these sort of for example software as a service right it's a or whatever they call it english software trying to come to japan you couldn't do that well that's not true at all i uh, turned on a new slack channel recently to find it was in japanese for example and slack uh is usable in japanese these days it's like, brilliant yeah
0: and you know, on Slack the other day, I did a video call with people in Europe. Yes, so
1: Slack huddled, right? has a video.
0: Yeah. yeah, huddle. It was awesome. No, we huddled.
1: <laughs> that's a good rugby it's terminology huddle, huddle, there. Huddle. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Well, so- I mean, we also talk about startups, don't we, in this yeah. episode? Because Fukuoka and Auckland are sister cities, and they're connecting on a lot of that through their sort of hubs that they have uh, in both cities, and that's awesome because this is a great episode, you're going to love it if you love tech, startups. There's also a couple of really great story that this guest tells Mm -hmm. about a little faux pas that happened. Yeah. And I think part of Japan is we learn from our falls. We learn from those things where we've tripped up, done a little faux pas. And we've listened to somebody who's told us, oh, this is how you do it in Japan. But it may not be quite right. So we maybe should verify some of our stories. Mm. Yeah, and make sure we're doing it right. But at the same time, we can learn from these little trip ups, but don't let it destroy your passion and and love for Japan, as it didn't with this guest. Yeah, this well, incident, to love it. Yeah. So um, let's get with it. I have to tell you who it is, though, Jane.
1: Yeah. <laughs> who is this? Who is this mystery guest?
0: <laughs> yeah, we're talking with Pam and Pam is Director of Economic Development at Taitaki. Auckland Unlimited and she's also been with NZTE in the past she's amazing we met her when we were at Beppu mm. and it's just so timely that this is coming out right when we've had Auckland in, in the forefront uh, with the blues and other things happening here as we bring this episode to you yeah let's hear it from Pam
1: <music> Kia ora, Pam welcome to the Jandals in Japan podcast great to have you on the show today
2: Kia Jane and kia Catherine, it's a real pleasure to join
1: you both. So we like to start off with a warm-up question and for you the question is, tell us one of your favourite things about fukuoka.
2: Oh, uh, well fukuoka, first time I went there was uh, last November, I loved the big uh, mall at the train station and I found some amazing places to eat up on the top layers there, so um, it was a real treat every lunchtime and dinner, choosing which place to go to in that uh, big food food hall at the top of the station. It was,
1: oh, it was fun. Yeah.
2: Having not that's... been in Japan for some time,
1: mm. I
2: was just um, taking every moment to <laughs> enjoy the food.
1: Yeah, that's a good thing to remember, isn't it? If you're looking for restaurants and you find a big shopping building, thing like that, they're probably on the top floor, aren't they, Catherine, generally? Yeah,
0: generally on the top mm. floor, yes. The top floor is... Right.
1: Mm or maybe in the very bottom floors, but not so much in the middle. So you can usually find a good places to eat there. Have you been to Fukuoka, Catherine? I haven't. I've
0: gone through. So I've gone got off at other places around Kyushu, but I haven't actually been to Fukuoka and spent some time there. Well, we know that you also learnt Japanese earlier in your days at Waikato, and you've had a range of roles uh, in your career so far, international trade. investment and local development uh for i think more than 20 years which is great and including nzte tucked in there somewhere (laughs) wow i didn't realize that before you sent your bio over so that's very interesting and now you're in charge of tataki auckland unlimited uh used to be ateed right a-t-e-e-d so we're super happy to have you on the podcast today we met you exactly a year ago at uh, Uh, for the Japan-New Zealand Business Council conference that was held there. And we were so keen to have you back. Finally, one year anniversary, you are on the show. And we'll be putting your full bio into the show notes a bit later. But tell us about your background there in New Zealand, Pam. And what led you to study Japanese and then come to Japan on your first visit?
2: My interest in Japan started probably my last year of primary school. And my dad visited. Uh, Japan for business so he was in the meat business and this was in the um, uh, wow. late 70s and you know Japan was a big big place of interest at that time mm-hmm. so I still remember the postcard that he sent with the Tokyo Tower on it and the hoodie that he bought me with Snoopy and it was so cool and I w- could wear it to netball and I was you know like the cool kid which didn't really happen very often but having this clothing from Japan, and my brother had this really cool baseball jacket with bright orange and black, might have been from Yokohama. So um, Japan got into my psyche at that point in time, and while I, my school didn't teach Japanese, I had this desire, burning desire, to, um, to be able to work in Japan and do marketing in Japan, like my dad had done. So um, it's a common story, I think, amongst many of us who fell in love with Japan as youngsters. So at the end of school, I went to the University of Waikato and did BMS, business management, and majored in Japanese and marketing. And in fact, Tony Boot, who I think many people know, obviously Jane and Catherine, you know Tony very well, he was my tutor uh, in Japanese. So Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, if anyone out. asked me, do I speak Japanese now? It's a very clear Um long, long time ago. I was lucky enough, though, to be able to go over for three months during the university holiday. That was over the 1986-87, um, this time of year, November to February. So um, the way I was able to go was, again, back to my dad was doing business with a Japanese um, businessman. And this businessman was, um, his main piece of work was creating casings for sausages, would you believe? Um, And so he would get all his meat from New Zealand and I think he had multiple interests. And he invited me to come over for that three months and I would go to a language school in the mornings in um, Shibuya and then jump on the train on the Yamanote line to go to Shinjuku for work in this company so it was oh my gosh it blew my mind i mean i was 20 year old 20 year old from cambridge um uh, pretty naive very naive as it turned out there was an incident at the end which we'll probably get onto at some point um but gosh being thrust into tokyo it was it was amazing and i totally totally loved it and um japan really has held a fascination fondness love ever since
1: so when were you in Tokyo? Was this? Did you say the eighty? Eighty six. Right. Exactly. Now, that Tokyo that we know today, and you when you were here recently to the, the eighty six Tokyo must have been quite a different experience for you, with no Google Translate and very little English around compared to what mm. there is today.
2: Yeah, exactly. Um, and I was living in a um, hostel for female students and we all had our own room and there was only myself and one Indian girl. Um, The rest were Japanese students and everybody kept to themselves. So it was very isolated. I'd listen to the radio. You know how they have the um, US Army had a radio station? I don't know if they still do. They probably do. Uh, And Whitney Houston was big at that time and I remember having a Whitney Houston tape or cassette or whatever it was. I listened to a lot of Whitney Houston um, and amongst trying to learn my Japanese by watching the game shows. So, <laughs> it's a good way to uh, learn, right? Japanese. Uh, I mean,
0: I used to read it off the subtitles of the Japan movies that came into New Zealand and grab any opportunity. Listening to music is really a great way to learn
2: Japanese.
0: Yeah. yeah. yeah for watching sure. TV. Wow. What is that incident? You've got to tell us what, what's the naivety that you had oh, back then?
2: Look. I'm sure we've all been through it, but um, I lost faith for my host family by doing something that I didn't realise I was doing wrong, which was um, in this hostel, you were meant to be home every night by 10pm, hmm. which had not been an issue for me at all. And one Sunday I went out exploring as I would do, and I met this lady on a at one of the stations, and I was obviously looking at one of those guidebooks, and certainly not into, my, into a phone or Google Maps, And so she came up to me and said, can I help you? She was American. And it turned out that her and her husband had a house up in the Northland. He worked in a big insurance company in Tokyo. And so she said, let me take you out for the day. And I thought, well, this is fantastic, because I hadn't been speaking English for, you know, nearly two and a half months by that point. So we went out for the day, and then she took me back to her apartment to cook me dinner, which was not far from where I lived in Tokyo, and... I ended up getting home at about midnight and I thought that was fine and funnily enough just the day before I had asked the Indian uh, girl that was living in the hostel what happens if you get home late and she said it's not a problem you just go and apologize to the caretakers the next morning in case they've been worried about you. So this was a Sunday night and the following Monday the next morning the Monday morning I got a phone call from the businessman who was my host family. He was Quite a scary man. And he said, Are you, you were out late last night. Um, when you come to work, we need to talk. So I was very scared and I went to school. And my beautiful teacher, she was from Yokohama, said, so I'm really, really nervous about this, and um, went to work. He took me aside. He said, you're going home on the next plane.
1: No questions
2: asked. And they couldn't get me on a flight for a week. So I had this week of just feeling absolutely terrible. Mm. And I bought gifts to take round to the family towards the end of that week. No one spoke to me from that point on. Um, and they had two daughters, and one in particular had been uh, looking after me, taking me on trips and stuff. I went to the door and the um, lovely wife opened the door and then shut the door on my face. So it was incredibly confronting experience for me who was this you know young girl from Cambridge as I said wasn't used to doing things wrong and um and I was really embarrassed for my my father who had to do business with this man uh and and really knocked my confidence in my Japanese and I certainly struggled the following year which was my last year in the language and um I remember having an interview with Air New Zealand at the end of my university time and uh, it was when they had those graduate programs and they'd take you know, six people and they got down to the last 10. And I didn't get into the last six and the feedback from one of the interviews was that um, when they asked me about my experience in Japan, I didn't talk very much about it. So um, it really did stick with me for a long time. Um, so it was unfortunate, but a very good lesson. Very good lesson.
1: Yes, yeah. me. Wow, yeah, I'm stunned. Stunned, yeah. but what, well, Catherine? What? What do you same stunned yeah. and
0: think? So many things that could have happened. Like they could have contacted the American people and got a little insight there, or you know, if we in this day and age, you can text to tell people you're going to be late. And so much of that was just as you were speaking. I was thinking that, but also thinking how horrible for them to have judged you on that one thing and not really go Mm. into asking you what happened or where you were maybe they did but nothing mattered and that they would just dismiss you i i feel that's probably someone who's a little bit maybe out of the box compared to what most japanese would do but Mm. i am having a yeah that's bit of a shock to hear that
2: Mm. i I do see japan you know as a country of paradoxes and certainly my experience was that and the family also, um, so very successful. They had a child who was disabled and couldn't talk and couldn't eat, and so she was hidden away. Uh, Working with the company, again, it was that interesting aspect that many people have gone through. We'd work all day, and then it was coming up to Christmas, so we went out one evening to a bar. And that was my first experience of a woman just sit back, and this is a long time ago, obviously um sit back and just observe and the men are served um and that was a very interesting experience for me as well having never ever seen that kind of distinction between men and women before um, i i had to say i saw that a lot in the rest of my 20s working in new zealand and in, in industry but uh, that was kind of my first experience so yeah it was a fascinating time and i i don't um I just um, am very thankful for the experience I had, and it certainly hasn't taken away any love or fondness for Japan, as I say.
1: Speechless that you had that experience, Pam, but that you were able to come back from that. And we met you last year here in in Beppu, doing amazing work between Auckland and Fukuoka. So mm. tell us a little bit about what that is. What is this connection between where you are now, Auckland, mm. and Fukuoka City?
2: Well, um, Fukuoka and Auckland are uh, sister cities, so in, since 1986. And there's a lot of similarities, same population size or similar, 1. 1.6, 1. 1.7 million people, uh, both port cities, so that's kind of how it started, I believe. On the anniversary of the 30 years, so around 2016, um, and given the media, I think uh, Mayor Takashima maybe, really young guy he was elected in 2010 as a 36 year old so quite progressive and um very energetic and he's been to auckland a number of times so 2010 he decided that fukuoka should really become a startup city and embrace tech and all of those things and it was his energy that uh, when he came to auckland and i remember we hosted him at one of our um, startup pubs, uh he said we need we need to partner on this side of how Fukuoka and Auckland could um, become more engaged so we um, signed an MOU the two mayors signed an MOU in 2017 and we have in Auckland here uh, something we call Grid AKL which is our startup community and network across the city um, and so Grid AKL and the Fukuoka startup um, community uh, have this partnership where we do some exchanges and So an entrepreneur from Auckland will go over to their events and we encourage them to come back here. And it's a really lovely partnership. Um, Ironically, we both operate out of historic um, buildings and uh, have very similar programs and the like. I've sent a number of my team over over the years. And so I was thrilled to be able to go myself last year and actually see it and feel it and had a startup um, competition on one day just for uh, five countries that they'd invited. Finland has been really active in Japan in the startup space. That's awesome what they're doing. So they had a really strong connection there and the other countries were from Southeast Asia and ourselves. And then there was a much bigger startup event the following day uh, for the city. So so Fukuoka is um, you know that's going really, really nicely and while well. there's a lot more we could do um, from our end, our Auckland end, we're a bit constrained in terms of how much resource we've got to be able to engage. But um, it's fair to say we've got a great partnership with them. And actually the CEO of Cook City was just here the week before last. There's a beautiful friendship garden next to the zoo. So um, the chief executive came over and there was a tree planting. And we took this chief executive down to Grid AKL and take any opp- opportunity we can just to engage with them. Um, Fukuoka and keep those ties um, happening there. James Penn, some of you may know James. James is based Mm. uh, in Fukuoka. I got to catch up with him when I was there last year. So, yeah, I think there's um, ongoing intent to do more with uh, Fukuoka, but also Tokyo. Tokyo has really embraced tech and there's some exciting things happening with Tokyo and and startups.
0: Well, it's so good to have that context. I didn't realise it came from the young mayor who had really? his ideas and aspirations for Fukuoka. And it's been, they're obviously very well known now as a startup city. I think Sendai tries to compete with them and says says they are the the startup city. But I know that there's Alicia Staples from Staples VR, mm-hmm. who we hoped to have on the show at one point. But was she one of the interns or one of the people who exchanged
2: Uh, between the two cities is that right? That's right Catherine so um, Alicia is a wonderful entrepreneur Alicia Staples, VR Staples so I've known her for many years. Uh, She's won the Young Tech um, Entrepreneur of the Year a couple of times here in New Zealand. We uh, partner with her on a co-working space for creative tech so she's invested in that She's very community minded as well as well as being a wonderful Mm. entrepreneur. So uh, we suggested to Alicia that she is the entrepreneur that would be the 2022 exchange. And so she came up at the same time as I did and she pitched on both days her business. Mm-hmm. She made some really great connections. Um, she got introduced to people. Uh, and that's how, how businesses have to, you know, start in Japan, uh, making those connections, attending events, learning how business is done. And then, obviously, um she spoke at the Japan-New Zealand Business Council meeting this year, um, and I think it just ignited a whole new market for her. But certainly, she's a fantastic entrepreneur, and yes, she'd be a great person. Yeah, she's
0: fantastic, and I think the tech and innovation plenary session that she was part of was probably the best one of the whole oh. Sessions, yeah, and I, at that time I was actually sitting next to your colleague and we had a great, you know, just conversing while we were listening to her and all the other team members. It was really fantastic. Thank you so much for sharing that. Are there other examples of successful Auckland
2: Fukuoka exchanges with this tech startup? So, interesting, one of the um, companies that is based in our co working space down at Grid AKL is a company called Anu, and what they make is reusable water bottles made of plastic based material so it's a real circular economy example so once the bottle is no longer used and it goes into landfill it Mm -hmm. decomposes over time but in the meantime you have this beautiful beautiful um, light blue color too i think it's jade from that company went up this year Um, so each year we try to get an interesting Mm -hmm. company to go up but certainly we'd like to do a lot more um in the future Mm -hmm. and take more people up and see how we go What
1: are you seeing as some of the trends or opportunities coming for New Zealand businesses wanting to do more with Japan?
2: Well, as we know, you know, traditionally our exports to Japan have been largely food-based, you know, big on dairy, big on products there. But we're seeing tech now as a huge opportunity for New Zealand companies, and certainly it's the second largest export of New Zealand. Most of the tech exports go to North America and Europe and um, Australia. However, I'd love to see more tech exchange and more exports to Japan. Again, when I was over there in uh, last year, I met with the Tokyo Metropolitan Government, and they certainly see tech as their future as well. And they've got this amazing program called Sushi Is um, small U, small S, H-I, so startup, high-tech, kind of. It's a good play on the words actually. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um And they're being very active with the, bringing in uh, a whole network of other cities, um, including right around the world. Um, it's called GNET. So we're looking at how we could uh, become part of that. So it's part of this, you know, countries operate at a national level, and that's all fantastic. Um, but equally, you can have very effective sub-national Relationships that help enable business and entrepreneurship, and so I'm really, really impressed at how Tokyo is embracing tech and startups. And they have a fantastic event which we're hoping to attend next May, which is again all startups bringing different countries. I was in Brisbane in October for the what's called the Asia Pacific City Summit, and they were there. They had a stall. And about five or six people, some of who, um, myself and Fiona, my colleague, who was at you met in Christchurch, we both knew different people there. So Tokyo is really getting out there and trying to improve um, access not only for Japanese-based tech companies, but also other countries to come and base themselves in Japan. So I would watch the tech space over the next ten mm. years. You know, we've seen we've all seen the rise of wine exports into um, Japan or other countries. And I think that tech is, is we're going to see more and more of that. And certainly, we've had some um, great examples of Kiwis doing wonderful um, tech initiatives in, in Japan over the time. But I would love to see more of that. Um, and maybe the Alicia staples, staples of the world can you know lead the way. Yeah. So is
0: it is it people doing the tech? Is it the tech innovation products or services themselves, or is it a bit of both then?
2: Well, a bit of both, Catherine. But you know. Um, People, entrepreneurs, Mm. creating products that they think can fit a market need. Mm. Um, And our Kiwis have to look at markets that are big and and have to go global from day one. So in Auckland, which is very much tech capital, the tech companies here, if you combine them all, they they employ more people offshore than they employ in Auckland. Yeah, so... That shows you how tech companies have to be offshore right from the get-go. But they can have the ideas and germinate the ideas and develop them here and then look to export and grow, scale, you know, it's the terminology that they use in exciting markets like Japan. Mm. Wow. And, I mean, Auckland
0: obviously can be a leader, and I think that's where Tataki in your name <laughs> uh, of your organization does mean leader. And I remember at the conference you made that little joke about tataki means leader. It doesn't mean the same as a Japanese word, you know, tataki, pounded meat or fish. And so what is leadership then between Japan and New Zealand, Auckland and Fukuoka as you see it? What does that mean?
2: Well, just to... um riff off a bit more of that Tātaki word, you know, um, Tātaki is the leader of the haka, and it's also the spearhead that's used in the battle. And we were gifted this name, and it takes a long time to be gifted a name. So there's a lot of thought gone into it. And for this organization you they're really proud to have a name that reinforces the importance that we place on our role as that cultural and economic development leader for the region. I think with what it means for New Zealand and and I think it's about being the catalyst to to drive better connections with people, with businesses, and community but leaders. I think if, you know I'm not in the geopolitical world. That's where our good friends at NSFAT to navigate and um, deal with some of those big, big, big issues. And that's always been a very interesting or tricky, depending on your point of view, part of the world that Asia Pacific area, or now Indo Pacific with the South China Sea and all of those history that we've come from but um, in terms of at a sub-national level leadership is all about how we can share more information how we can do more exchanges whether that's in science research and innovation I mean you're aware of the work in aerospace is happening now and certainly at Bepu we got insight into what is happening in that part of Japan but also our good friends at uh, University of Auckland and some of our biggest um, companies here in Auckland are involved in aerospace. So we go back to leadership about understanding what are the differences, what bring people together, how can we make progress and and in a business world, how can we bring those two worlds together and um, and realise that leadership's about making a better future, you know, we're all stewards for the future and if we think about the All Blacks, for example, which is a great analogy, whenever we're talking about New Zealand and Japan, you know, the coaches such as Graham Henry or many others talk about the jersey and that All Blacks get to just be stewards of the jersey for the time that they're in it, that they are adding to the legacy of what it all means. And so, um, yeah, leadership to me is that stewardship, how do you make things better for the for the future generations and how do we pave the way for more young people to be visiting Japan, for example, in a very practical sense. And one of my team here, Kiriana Kone, was just over with the the young group that went with Tony Boat and Ho and has come back just buzzing and just her worldview has just opened up and it just makes me smile thinking about she's now got this amazing opportunity to take up how can she get more involved with japan how can she um, bring her multiculture culture and do more connecting with japan okay. i mean it's just wonderful and it's just wonderful to have takaki as the name of your organization I mean, wow
1: yeah i just had shivers while you were telling me that pam thank you <laughs> so i just had this thought pop into my mind it was like so pam if you were going to be starting up a startup just now what would you do Cool, With all, all of your day. information that you know, and all of these connections and things, what what would you do? Well, you know they say do what you love, don't they?
2: You know when we met and you told me how you'd started your podcast, not this one, your other one. I was like, wow, that's so cool. You you created a business out of something that you loved and was really relevant for what you were doing. I love tennis and baseball. Yeah. Golf. I love sports, so I think I'd like to do something that combines sport, maybe travel, uh, and people. It'd be something in that services space, and I guess given it's a tech world, it'll have to have a tech element. But yeah, maybe it's some sporting travel
1: business. What a travel business, interesting. Yeah, yeah. and then how could we connect it to Japan? Yeah, but oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. Can, you know, yeah. How would
2: we golf and? Baseball being really big in Japan, right exactly.
1: I think there's something there. There we go. I think we might have just come up with a new business idea, Pam. <laughs> <laughs> Golfing exchanges between Japan and New Zealand or something. Yeah. Right?
2: Well, it was really big in the 80s. And, um, you know, we've got amazing golf courses here. And, you know, it's a huge industry in Japan, isn't it? If you're it in is. that elite kind of bracket. Thinking
0: back to your time when you were here just last year, what did you see then say compared to when you were first here that stuck out to you? And, you know, what did you find was really different about the way of communicating, I suppose, from back then to when we were there together, staying in the hotel, going around the the sites as we did together, what sticks out as a, a sort of good way of communicating
2: between the two cultures? Um. Well, I've got to say, um, and you point, you mentioned it before, Jane. But I had a little red dictionary when I was there, you know, all those years ago. Whereas um, this time we were just looking at our phones, or I was, um, or relying on Jane or Catherine to translate. So using technology to be able to make an effort to to communicate, I think, was a big difference, and probably the the most major one. Took a lot of anxiety out of. Um, traveling around as well and finding way around my way around train stations and the like. I guess I was immediately transported back to that feeling of how welcoming the Japanese people are and um, friendly mm-hmm. and how much it's such a joy to discover every minute of the day something new because the culture is so different. And I have to say though that I have not been able to get my head around on scene. That was a bit of a failing. Um, we had such a good opportunity at that hotel we were staying at too. But that's a cultural thing. I haven't been able to get my head around yet. Yeah, we didn't see you down at the onset, I think. <laughs> no, we Jane Not. and I were
0: the only ones there and we had it all to ourselves. But uh, we did want everyone to come on down. But it was a little it's a little tricky, isn't it, to get your head around.
1: It's Indeed. just a lack of practice, isn't it? it you just need to yeah. practice a bit more, and then you practice. get it. And then you start to understand. Oh, I like this one because of the water temperature, or oh, I didn't enjoy that one. It was whatever. You start to get a preference and things. It just takes time. It's I really hated good. onsens for the first five years, probably. Right. right. How about you, Catherine? Did you oh, love them straight I didn't away? Like yeah. Them, and then once I... you
0: like them, and and you just can't mm. wait to find out where the next place is where there's an, <laughs> an onsen.
1: Yeah. This practice, yeah. And I guess,
0: too, yeah, um, Pam, your one like piece of advice you would have then from all of this experience, like from that tough time back in your 20s to your recent experience, maybe there's something that sticks out for you as your, what we like to ask, the one gem of advice for people who might be dealing between
2: New Zealand and Japan and business. Well, I guess,
1: uh,
2: similar to the Onsen kind of metaphor, I my one piece of advice would really be just to soak it all up, you know, totally embrace and love where you are and what it is and just be with everything that happens around you um, and be curious and uh, welcoming of everything that is in front of you rather than questioning and being defensive or any of those sorts of things. It is such an incredible culture. I think it's just being very open and trying to understand as much as you can, um, and knowing that that will take a lot of time. Certainly if you are in business and you're wanting to export in Japan, I would be saying you know, visit properly, mm-hmm. you know, go there as a visitor, not just a business person, and go and experience what it is like to travel, to mm-hmm. live, and rather than being transactional around a business um, I think you know both of you have been there over 20 years. You're probably still learning things every day, also, and recognizing that if you're committing to Japan, you're committing for 10, 20 years. And you see that with some of the people in Japan, New Zealand Business Council, they are so good at what they do because they've dedicated their careers to Japan and to be continually learning. And I think it's very important with another culture to give it that respect to take time to soak it in and to really try and understand as much as you can.
1: And one more question I have is, what is something you've observed that Japan does really well?
2: It's a good question, Jane. I think resilience comes to mind and particularly the example of 2011, which I know was a very tough year for you. Um, So we had Christchurch and then we had Fukushima Actually, I was booked to go up to Japan on holiday the Monday after the Friday of the tsunami, which consequently, obviously I didn't. But um, that aside, I think the resilience of the Japan government, society, communities in rebuilding has been incredibly amazing to watch. And I compare that to how we respond to natural disasters, whether it's Christchurch 2011 or kakura in 2013 we take a very long time to do things and um i think time and time over history i'm reading this great book the short history of japan um time after time japan has shown that resilience to uh, come back from disaster or threat and um, get on with life really says something about the japanese people
1: yes i'll just definitely say that was something i also noticed observed and was impressed by just even no matter how messed up or broken or contaminated things were here they just got on with it and they tidied it up and 12 years on and most of it's tidied up now most of it's better than before even yeah incredible
0: well pam it's been fabulous to talk with you once again Uh, We want to congratulate you on being a successful Jandal in Japan. We're going to call you a Jandal.
2: Yay. Yay. Wow. gonna get to be a Jandal too.
0: That's an honor. (laughs) It is. It is really, right? And thank you so much for telling us your story, being very vulnerable, telling us that earlier story there, and really sharing all your tips uh, for success in this land
2: of the rising sun. Thank you so much. Well, thank you both. Um, You know, a big shout out to both of you. I think Jandals is a fantastic podcast. And, you know, you're doing what I was talking about, you know, connecting people and uh, making it easier. So big ups to both of you. I think you're wonderful. Thanks so much. Thank you, Pam.
1: Wow, some major, major downloads there from Pam
0: interesting right just the change of era i suppose from that big story she told us to today but keeping face is coming up for me now as i think about it and respecting the the rules um but also not really knowing that it was going to be that bad once you know, what happened with her, I think she'd also been told by her friend that it would be all okay if she just mm, apologized and yeah. then just turned it to something
1: else. But what a lesson to have early in life. Wow. Yeah, that was pretty rough. Maybe the same thing wouldn't necessarily happen today, Gendai Japan, in today's Japan. Things have moved on a little bit, but it is an interesting story in how you are representing something at all hours of the day. It's another it's another aspect of that, right? Mm. When you become a member of a company or something, yeah, your conduct outside of work does affect your work, even even if you're not actually working at the time. So, yeah, just a good thing to keep in mind. But Pam didn't let that stop her from going on and doing amazing things. And- yeah, that's
0: this good thing, isn't not yeah. it? its it? Didn't mm. let one incident that was quite a big one turn her against Japan and she's kept mm. as a stronghold and you know a real fan of japan uh since then and everything she's doing it's amazing
1: fantastic
0: that could have turned me away but well well done pam Mm, yeah (laughs) and then you know taking this uh, auckland to be such a tech capital of new zealand i hadn't realized the whole story so that was very enlightening well i thought westport was the tech
1: capital (laughs) of new zealand
0: because (laughs) they make good gin don't they but yeah uh, yeah nearby they (laughs) do But yeah, I think that idea of having tech as a great export. I didn't realize it was also second uh, in New Zealand, mm. right? As our biggest export, that is fantastic. And let's bring that on even bigger and better. And, um, you know, I think that was a wonderful uh, outcome from what Pam talked about.
1: Yeah. I'm thinking, how can I start up a golf, baseball, travel <laughs> startup between Japan and New Zealand? You can but do it. If anyone Tokyo can. Tokyo and Auckland and yeah. Fukuoka, all these. Yeah cities looking to work together so yeah if you're listening and you're the startup person perhaps there's something there that you can yeah use to help boost your startup as you go along in your startup journey who knew
0: absolutely wow that was great so we'll see everybody again soon jane correct yes
1: see you again soon thanks Bye. bye
0: listening make sure you check out our guests links in the show notes
1: this podcast is brought to you today by Catherine o'connell law and pod launch with jane if you have a great story you think should be on the show come and find us on linkedin or instagram we'd love to hear from you see you next time